to How Do You Do? A podcast where we, two friends, Cleveland transplants, and enthusiastic Jews talk about everything. Holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. We started this podcast because we want to know, how do you do? I am Yael Haroudi, an Israeli pastry chef. And I'm Samantha Vinokor Meinrad, a Jewish educator from Long Island. The two of us met in Cleveland, realized that we are kindred spirits, and quickly went from friends to podcast co-hosts. We're about to start the show, but before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe to How Do You Do wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to give us a five-star rating or review to help more people find us. You can also follow us on Instagram at HowDoYouJewPod and at HowDoYouJewPod.com. All of our handles can be spelled H-O-W-D-O-Y-O-U-J-E-W-P-O-D. Yalla, let's get into it. So, Samantha, how's your week been? Well, another week of working from home. Um, my two dogs proceeded to bark through every single important Zoom call that I had today. But then as soon as I had like quiet time, they proceeded to both pass out on my lap. So they somehow annoyed everyone else earlier. And then me, it was just like I was frozen in this position of not wanting to disturb them. So my entire leg fell asleep. I feel like this is the reality of every single person working from home during COVID right now that has animals. I. On some level, yes, but other people have shared with me this very controversial opinion that, Samantha, they're dogs. You could just move them. And <laughs> genuinely, that did not occur to me. Well, you do treat your dogs a little differently than any other dog owner ever. That's true. That's I true. I mean, I love my dog. Don't get me wrong. But if she's bothering something important that's going on, she will be kept in a different room. Yeah, I don't know. With her food and water no, no, and everything. No, I mean, I, I think that you and my mom are so similar in that, in that point of view. Because, okay, so we've been working on the house. So, okay, so I bought a house. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but now I've, I live still in my boyfriend's apartment. We live there right now. It's a half an hour away. And we're working on the house, just getting wallpaper down. So it's been very fun. Awesome. How are the home renovations coming? Said no one ever. Horrible. I'm kidding. Dan is doing great. I'm not, I'm not succeeding. You're doing great. <laughs> Listeners, if you ever somehow get invited to Yael's house, um, please compliment how clean it is because I just walked around her entire house ooing and eyeing over the cleanliness of all the different rooms. Well, that's because I have a problem. Everything, every time we do something, work around the house, I really have to like clean it spotless right after. I cannot stand, I can't stand it. Like I'm not meant to renovate homes. Just not. That seems fair. I mean, we all get our HGTV fix from somebody else <laughs> and you're just living it. And maybe that, maybe that wasn't the calling, but it's almost done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Almost done. So, well, my point was that my mom, every time we have to do something in the house and, um, so my mom is living here right now for the time being until her house is ready. Cause my mom moved from Israel like a month ago. So it's been interesting. My life has been very interesting. So my mom moved here from Israel and she bought a house and now she's living with me. Well, not exactly with me, but in my yeah. house until she gets her house. So, and she's here with her dog. So I love time, her dog. Just I, putting it out there. I love him too. But every time we need to do something around the house and the dogs can't step on the floors, we have to put them in the room. And my mom just goes crazy. Like, can we let them out already? Are they, I'm like, mom, they're not in jail and they're not being tortured in there. They're probably laying on their very comfortable bed, human bed, not even a dog bed, just having fun and living life. I mean, I just want to say team your mom, because <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate for all listeners to this podcast, but now that I'm home alone with my dog, all day during the day like they started crying when I closed the do door just to use the bathroom and instead of taking that as a sign of like wow we need some separation and like this is weird I've just been like come my babies come participate <laughs> as well so team your mom team crazy dog parents of all kinds you are seen and you are heard by me <laughs> Um, this feels like a lot of TMI for people who don't actually know us. So <laughs> listeners, if you're still with us, bless you all. Um, we do want to give a little bit of background in our first episode um, to learn, you know, to basically ask each other stuff that we don't know about one another um, and to really look at this how do you do idea um, because we're going to be asking a lot of guests their Jewish stories. So to start out, we want to share our own with all of our listeners too. And also 
me being from a different country and you've lived there for a while. So we have a lot of uh, interesting things to share with each other, both from Israel and from the States. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun conversation between us. Absolutely. So well, we already started hearing about your mom somehow moving in yes. to your house. So let's start with you. What did your Jewish story look like growing up? How did you become the wonderful Jewish, just like rock star that you are right now? I love this question. I have to say. So um, okay, I have a very long Jewish story. So please bear with me. I'm kidding. So I grew up in Israel, I was born and raised in Israel, but my mom is from San Francisco originally. So my mom was brought up, um, how do you call it? Good, now I'm blanking out on names again. What's the name? Not reform, conservative. conservative. Thank you, thank you, yes, as I was saying it. <laughs> so my mom grew up conservative, um, and as I said, from San Francisco, my dad grew up, was born and raised in Israel, and he grew up a little more, I won't say religious, but more, because it's not called conservative. Traditional. Traditional. Thank you. Of course. I'm learning all these words because in Hebrew, they're totally different. That's fair. <laughs> so, um, well, not exactly, but you know. Um, so, so when they brought like their two worlds together, it created a really weird one for me growing up. So at home, we kept kosher. Um, growing up, you know, I had to learn how to wait three hours after eating meat before I can eat something that had milk in it because my dad was really strict about that and um, we kept kosher in the house so Shabbat dinners and everything which I loved all the Jewish traditions then um, when I was around six years old my parents got divorced and I lived with my mom and then um, visited my dad's on weekends eventually he got remarried and became more religious so he's not orthodox, but he does keep the Sabbath and he, I mean, keeps all the holidays. So he's, he's way more religious than he used to be. So that also had an effect on me. Um, when I was 12, um, my mom made me get a bat mitzvah. Made you? Made me. So this is the story. So in Israel, <laughs> so I know here it's way more common for people to do, for girls to do aliyah but which I don't know how you would say that in English. I feel like you wouldn't say it in English. You would just do it with an American accent of like, to have an aliyah. Oh, that's how you say it? Okay, thank you. Um, so, to have a bat mitzvah. So yeah, so it's very common here. And actually I think most of my friends, 99% of my Jewish friends had it here. But in Israel, it's not common at all. Right. The, the reform community and the conservative community is very small in Israel. I think it's like 3% or 1% of the population. Don't, please don't quote me on this, but I, I'm pretty sure because I looked it up not long ago. Anyways, so it's very small. It's a very small, small community. And, um, and so it wasn't common. So I was a little embarrassed. Yeah, my mom wanted me to have the experience she had growing up, which I have a lot of respect for now. But as a 12-year-old, you know, 12-year-old me did not see it that way. And I, I couldn't forgive her. A 12-year-old not agreeing with what their mom <laughs> wanted them to do Jewishly? Like, I had a hard time. Weirdo. I couldn't forgive her, honestly. Like, it was really hard for me because I hated from all my friends. I didn't tell them. I didn't want to be made fun of. I was popular. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> we obviously had very different adolescent experiences. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just embarrassed because it's something that none of my friends did. None of my friends got bat mitzvah. I mean, all my friends had a bat mitzvah, just bat mitzvah in Israel is very different. The more common way is just having a big party with your friend at some, I don't know, cool venue and with a DJ and dancing and everything. It's not having everyone come to the to temple because you're having an aliyah. It's not the same. So embarrassing. Yeah, and like she, she, my mom was so excited and she was so cute about it. Like she went and got me a new talis and everything, and and it was like all purple with like I blue. Love your mom. It was just beautiful, but and she really put a lot of effort into it. And she got me these new clothes and she took me to get my hair done. And it was like the whole experience was fun, but and she she really tried her best. But I was still embarrassed to like invite my friends to it. I couldn't. And then, of course, at the same time, my dad was becoming more religious. 
Um, how did you, what, what, what was the word that you traditional. said? Traditional. Thank you. <laughs> so my dad was becoming more traditional and so he couldn't come because it was Saturday. Um, and I was really hurt. That's so hard. Yeah, I was really hurt by it. And then, I mean, I under, obviously I understood, but then after that, um, he called it my bar mitzvah. So, <laughs> so I have three older brothers and they all had bar mitzvahs and not a conservative temple, just right. a, a more um, traditional. traditional. Yeah, traditional. Yael's going to learn this word by the end of, I don't know if the episode, but like we'll say the series. I know. I heard that if you say a word that you don't know 10 times, you eventually get, get it. I fundamentally disagree. I'm sure that's true, but I'm like, there are definitely words I will that say, I've said 10 times and still don't wow. I will say traditional 10 times in this episode. episode. <laughs> to get it in you my mind. You got this. I'm confident. Next episode. No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, I have three older brothers. They had a more traditional, uh, in a traditional temple. So, they had a bar mitzvah. And, um, and so my dad, you know, had a little fun with it, him not understanding the concept of being, um, not traditional, like it, cause it's not an American, it's not an Israeli thing. Right. It's really, it's really more American. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I feel like in, like in 2020, it's more common to have families want to sit together, even in Israel. Yeah. Um, but it's still not the mainstream thing. Yeah. So it's a bit, it was, um, it was, that was a huge part of my Jewish, um, of my Jewish uh, story. And um, after my bat mitzvah, I stopped going to temple completely. I was very, I was very um, mad that I had to do that and I had to hide it from my friends and I didn't want to be made fun of. Oh my gosh. So I completely, I took a turn. And then because my dad was becoming uh, more traditional, especially in those years, because that's when he remarried, I took a harsh turn and I became sh uh, Shomer Shabbat. So I started keeping the Sabbath um, and, and I became a little more traditional. And that lasted for two years before I was like, ah, I just want to be a regular teenager like everyone else. And around the age of uh, 15, I think, I gave up completely. And started, you know, going out with my friends, even if it was on a, on a, on a Friday night and wow. Saturday, just, you know, regular teenager Absolutely. stuff on my phone, listening to music, stuff like that. And then um, I think nowadays my Judaism is a bit different. I'm, first of all, I'm way more accepting. Mm -hmm. I think also because of that part of my life, I'm more accepting of everything and everyone. Like, I love to hear how different Jews do and um, it's I, almost like you made a podcast about just I know, that I know, so right? weird I wonder how I got so this meant to be I wonder how I got this idea <laughs> I don't know but um, but I think I'm I'm way more accepting now because I've been through that journey and also moving to the states totally changed my perspective and things now I really appreciate that my mom made me see what she did because moving here I most of my friends like I said 99% of my friends this is their story yeah. da not their dad part but their story is that they had to do that and it's just a part of life and I love that because I understand it so your American mom knew that you would one day want to be cool and fit in with Americans so she made you do that as an adolescent in Israel my American mom told me that she never in her life would she ever think that her Israeli daughter would move her back to the States? That seems fair. She moved to Israel, you know, with this like Zionist idea, moving to Israel, living in Israel, being a true Jew. And then she moved back to the States because of her Israeli daughter. Whoopsies. Oops. Whoopsies. Sorry, mom. I love Ruiner. you. <laughs> love you. Sorry, Israel. So, um, so what's your Jewish story? I feel like it's a very like dumb comment that I'm about to make, but it's like the same but different. <laughs> um, We're all same, same but different. That's true. That's true. So perhaps it's just like a universal <laughs> thing that it's like I relate to everything you said, except not. Um, <laughs> That's so, exactly why. That's exactly why we're doing this because we can relate to it, even if we have a totally different story. Right. Somehow, all Jewish. I feel like all Jewish stories are connected in some way or another. All right. So here's mine. Yes. I grew up essentially the opposite of you in the sense that I grew up in New York on Long Island amongst all the other Jews, um, with an Israeli dad and an American mom. 
Um, so literally the exact opposite. <laughs> um, my dad's family moved to New York when he was a kid. Um, so very much were American Jews, but retained a very strong sense of Israel and Zionism and connection to Israel and just being Israeli. Um, so I feel like I was raised with like dual Jewish identities. One that's like very much a New York, Long Island Jews for all that that means. And then the other is this really deep affinity for Israel. And for me, the two always felt like the same because that like was what made me different or unique. I grew up, um, I am flying the flag of like the nerdiest Jews in town from a super young age, I'm I shocked. I know, I know, <laughs> because I've I've turned into such a non-nerdy person. Yeah. <laughs> but from a super young age, I loved being Jewish. Um, my dad got involved in our synagogue, and so every Shabbat, my family, we would all go on Saturday mornings to services, and on Friday nights we would have Shabbat dinner. And on, was this a conservative? It was a conservative temple? synagogue, and I think my parents did a really amazing job of they modeled for us what this active involved Jewish family looked like, but they never forced it upon us. So every Friday night, our family was having Shabbat dinner. If you know one of us were to come and say, there's a birthday party that I wanna go to, or there's something else, we weren't forced to be at these Shabbat dinners. Um, that's what our family was doing. And if you were going to do something else, like you weren't doing the Shabbat dinner, but it was okay. It was never like a pressure situation. And then I think it almost worked too well because my dad at one point started to get nervous that like his kids must be massively uncool because none of us would go out on Friday nights. We would be home together and we would have Shabbat dinner. And sometimes we'd invite our friends over, but we were all so excited to be together that I have very clear memories of him being like, don't you want to go out with friends? And like me being like, no, I want to come to Shabbat. And it was wonderful. And at the same time, we had this Israeli part where other people went to Florida to visit their grandparents. Um, and that was, you know, a given. We flew to Tel Aviv to visit my great grandmother who continued to live in the apartment in Tel Aviv um, up until she passed away when I was in college. So we would go to Israel and I very much was unique in that my Jewish journey was taking me somewhere other than this like Florida, New York bubble. Um, so as an elementary schooler coming of age, like during the second intifada, I was explaining things about Israel to people. Um, then I also came to the stage of bat mitzvah. Again, very different experience than yours in that everyone had a bat mitzvah. It was so exciting. Um, I have pictures of this updo that I had that could possibly have rivaled Marie Antoinette level hair and this like electric blue ball gown that I felt the need to wear. It was amazing. Um, still quite possibly. And like, I've gotten married. That was probably the best dressed I've ever been. How could I miss uh, that? Uh, there, uh, there might be some pictures we could share. <laughs> um, but what I think was really interesting in retrospect, the day after my bat mitzvah is one of my clearest memories. I was sitting in the living room at my parents' house sobbing my eyes out. And I remember crying to my mom, everything is over. I have nothing else to be excited about. Might have been melodramatic enough at 13 to be like, I have nothing to live for. You have prepared your whole long life but for this literally, I feel like I had. I, again, I was a Jewish nerd. I had been every single day i was at the synagogue there were two days a week that i had religious school there was a day that i was volunteering i had the bat mitzvah lessons we went as a family like everything had been about preparing for this day oh wow we live and we live very different lives yeah. and i sobbed that like i have nothing else to live for i'm 13 i've peaked like th this is it and I took that very seriously in that moment. And my mom still now, you know, however many years later, will sometimes bring it up. She'll be like, whenever something exciting happens to me. So earlier this year, pre-COVID, when you could still travel places, I went to Japan um, with a Jewish organization. And when I told my mom, like I called her and I said, mom, guess what? I got this opportunity to go to Tokyo for a week. And she, her still touch point is, 
remember when you were crying that you had nothing <laughs> to live for? And I'm like, wow. God, if, I love your mom. If everything I cried about at 13, if I knew it would still be a touch point <laughs> at 30 for like, remember how ridiculous you were? Whatever. So anyway, so after my bat mitzvah, I feel like my Jewish journey, I think I doubled down on it. I had found this space where I was good like I I don't know if there it's very awkward to say like I was super good at being Jewish but I was the teacher's pet in Hebrew school shockingly again things that nobody who knows me would ever guess teacher's um, pet yeah like favorite yeah and I'm sorry oh sorry that term. oh got it yes I was the favorite okay um to all of our listeners remember this is my second language so we will have some awkward moments like this it's fine <laughs> that's fine but yeah no I was the favorite and I like took on leadership roles and it's amazing uh, thank you and that became my thing I was super involved in my youth group and I got involved in different leadership programs all through the Jewish community and then when I went to college, I decided to focus in Jewish studies and have since made a career as a Jewish communal professional. So I apparently like the nerdy girl who had nothing to live for at 13 after the bat mitzvah had other stuff coming, but it was all going to be within that same bubble, I think is the uh, well, you summary of my Jewish story. You didn't only made a career out of it, but um, if I may brag as a very 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 proud friend you're a doctor i am a doctor of jews not the good <laughs> kind not the kind that could actually you know not prescribe stuff <laughs> but yes i i have a doctorate in jewish education so i not only do my own jewing but i like am one of those people who gets to observe others in their jewing and provide commentary on it if only 13 year old us 12 year old us would have known where we would end up today it was all gonna be okay selves um so we talked a little bit about like where we are now and you said you know you talked about how you recently moved to cleveland and that has opened your eyes jewishly but how would you say you jew today what's your juice jew life now so my jew life now um is very i would say that I'm editing this out. Awesome. So my Jew life now is very interesting. I mean, I took, I think, a little bit of everything from growing up and it sort of built to today. So I have, I still keep um, all the Jewish traditions. Um, holidays, I'm very big on all holidays. Like all holidays that Israelis celebrate, even if they're not celebrated in the States, really. Like Shavuot, for instance. The best holiday. Painful, painful um, uh, subject for me here. But so Shavuot, like I do, I do celebrate all Jewish holidays and I go big on them because I love Jewish holidays and I love traditions. Um, And I do every Shabbat dinner. I don't miss Shabbat dinners, even if it's um, at friends' houses, well, pre-COVID times. Remember those days? No. <laughs> Literally, no. Family family uh, Shabbat dinners, usually with the more, you know, smaller smaller circle of family. And we even did a Zoom, a Zoom Passover. I think everyone did a Zoom Passover this year. Yep. But yeah, we even did a Zoom Passover. So I don't miss, I, COVID or non-COVID, I don't miss any of those. That's how I do today. I, don't, I do not belong to a temple. Um, I know it's a big thing. Here especially. Cleveland is yeah. very, I feel like, un- I don't know if unique, but rare in that sense. Because, like, as an adult, I've lived in New York. I've lived in Israel. I've lived in D.C. And, like, Cleveland is very still really into the membership model. It's very interesting here. Which I, ha- I have a lot of respect for that. I just haven't found the temple that I would feel 100% mm-hmm. like that I want to join it. Yeah. Not because there are not enough awesome ones i just don't know if i can still commit to actually going to temple understood <laughs> understood that's fair and i would feel bad i would feel really bad you know being a part of a, of a temple and not going right i feel like i would be judged no <laughs> I'm kidding. no i mean god think about all the people who joined a gym like <laughs> it's fine we're all in this together fellow people who don't show up at the gym <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's why I used to like go work out all the time. I did join um, Orange Theory. That's nice. And I feel like so that's, you're in a cult. That's why I, <laughs> I loved it. But I feel like that's why I kept before COVID. I would go because I was afraid that if I miss I miss one, 
then I would be judged like, oh, she's not coming. But I feel like that, I realize this isn't the point. I love that. I feel like any space, any community that you're part of where people notice when you're not there, like, I love that. Because my thing is always like, see, this is why you're my friend, because you look at things that way. No, I just, I love that, because I feel like the opposite of like, you know, there was one synagogue that I tried, not in Cleveland, but in a different city that I lived in, where like, Noah, my husband and I went like three weeks in a row and then we didn't come back for like six months. And I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be so awkward. Straight up nobody noticed, which I don't know if that's a commentary on us or the community, <laughs> but like some of the people who I felt like in those, I mean, I saw you three weeks in a row, like that's bonding levels. For me, like one person just came up and introduced himself, like obviously had not remembered this in the same fond way that I did. And like other people was like, oh, we just saw you guys. And I was like, well, I don't know if that feels like a community to oh. me, like if you don't notice, whereas like, no, I would love like, I mean, not Orange Theory because that sounds like a terrifying environment, but- Back to temples, yeah. But like just to be in a space where like, if you're not there, I wanna check on you. I'm like, that's, that's nice. I think that's a very nice thing about, yes, about also about the community here yeah. is that people do notice. The community in Cleveland, the Jewish community in Cleveland is amazing. Also a part of my, how I do today is I started volunteering um, in a lot of Jewish things. So today I'm actually, two years after moving here, I'm already uh, a board member on the yeah, YLD board. YLD is the Young Leadership Division of the Jewish Federation in Cleveland. So I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that being a part of how I do today. I love volunteering. I love doing Jewish things in the community because as I get to know the community more and more by doing all these things, I find out that there are so many that, I mean, that's what I love about this Jewish community also is that you have so many different types of Jews and yet everyone, the one thing that brings us together is that we're all Jewish together. Yeah. I just love that. That's so nice. How, how do you Jew today? I feel like I Jew all day, every day. <laughs> um, I, I have no work-life balance as a Jew. Honestly though, like, so I lived in Israel for about three years um, during grad school and, um, and afterwards. And one of the things that I really struggled with in terms of being Jewish in Israel, and I say this as someone who, again, grew up feeling very Israeli with a very strong Israel-focused Jewish identity, I really struggled with a Judaism that didn't necessarily have to be intentional anymore, where it was no longer I needed to go to like Jewish social events because just by walking in the street, you're basically in a Jewish social event. Um, or I didn't feel the need to like, prepare and figure out how I'm gonna mark certain holidays because it was just around you. And in so many ways, that's what's amazing about Israel, that it's infused and it's in the atmosphere and I have beautiful memories also. But when I came back to the States after that, I was so excited to once again be in a space where all of my Jewish choices, I'm taking them and I'm making them intentional. I couldn't so, agree with you more. I you. feel more Jewish in this state. I feel so much more Jewish. Because you in the really States. do have to make an effort to right. be Jewish. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm sorry for cutting you <laughs> no, off. I I'm cutting me off to agree with me is amazing. <laughs> so today, I mean, like we said, I'm a Jewish educator. I work um, specifically with Jewish teens, but with learners really of all ages and stages at, like by day and also by night because what is work-life balance anymore? Um, and then Noam, my husband, is also a Jewish educator. And I feel like we've really created a life that makes sense for us. Like when you were saying about the holidays, I feel like it's living with a rhythm of Jewish time um, is the way that I think about it. Whether it's like Friday nights, Shabbat dinner being the center of our social week that that's when we see our friends. Somebody like said to me recently, like, you know, you're allowed to like see people on like a Tuesday. I was like, well, I know, but like, I see my friends on Friday nights for Shabbat dinner outside, socially distant, it's all okay. Um, for as long as we can, that, like, that's a thing for me. I am part of a Rosh Chodesh community where once a month I get together with a group of women because we're marking the changes of the months and the seasons, again, Jewishly. Everything I read pretty much has to do with Judaism. I actually came up with this past year, might've been the nerdiest New Year's resolution anyone has ever had. I'm not quite sure. It was every fourth book that I read 
cannot be about an Israel or Jewish focused topic because I was trying to expand my horizons. Um, so I think that really says everything about how I Jew. I it, love how you're like trying to not Jew. No, I, I try. I really try. I'm like, I fail so miserably. Uh, I want to write, I wrote a blog post like last year. Actually, it might've been this year. I think it was during the pandemic. I don't remember when this came out. The when, pandemic has uh, sort of um, changed the timeline in everyone's life. Yes. Like for me, March was at least two years ago. Absolutely. Without It question. also lasted for two years. Absolutely. <laughs> but like I, so I tried to not do, I watch, I binge watch Cheer on Netflix. I don't Did know you that. see this? No. It's like this docu-series about um, college cheerleading. Okay. And it's amazing and super addicting. And I'm watching this show that is set in like, small town Texas is quite obviously not a Jewish thing. And like the way that I had to process watching this show was I wrote a blog post called like Jewish lessons I took from cheer. Oh my God. Um, because I was watching what? Jewish lessons. Oh my God. There were so many. It was amazing. But I'm wa I'll, I'll link to the blog post in the show notes for anyone who's interested, but it was like, I'm watching this show and that's like how infused Jewing is in my mind that like they're having, I don't know, a, like a conversation about how the ones who aren't on the mat, it's a very big deal to be on the mat apparently, support like the ones who are. So those who like, they didn't, you know, make the first string cut or whatever. Like they do this thing called mat talk where they all cheer for each other. And I was thinking about that in relation to like the bar bat mitzvah experience of like, we see in, okay, not to get too nerdy, but the statistic is that just over half of um, teenagers or adolescents with at least one Jewish parent have a bar bat mitzvah. So just over 50% of teens who have at least one Jewish parent will go through the B'nai Mitzvah experience that you and I were talking about. And then the year after that, that number of teens who are doing something Jewish, whether it's Hebrew high school or in camp or whatever it might be, drops to less than 20%. And I was thinking about it just from like experiences that I've had it's teaching. like they're old me. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody else is me crying in the corner about like how much they love bat mitzvahing. Um, that's fine. But I thought about like, wow, I remember being 13 and my birthday's in April. So my bat mitzvah wasn't until May because of like the way that the dates worked out. But like the kids who had their bar bat mitzvah in October, like, you know, almost a year, a full year before mine, like would just stop coming because it was like, oh, I had mine check. I don't need to go to Hebrew school anymore. Like I don't need to be part of this. And there's so many people doing amazing things to keep kids engaged and having high school programs and confirmation classes and like wonderful stuff. And I was like, wow, if we all did this cheerleading mantra of even if your part isn't front and center right now, you're so equally part of this. You're cheering, you're inspiring, like you're part of, this is a very long winded way of saying, I obviously can't separate my Jewing from anything else because I connected cheerleading to the bar mitzvah experience. I love what you say. I love what you said, excuse me, but I feel like it's also a part of those kids being in teenager years. Like those are the Absolutely. beginning of, that's like the, the beginning of being a teenager. Yeah. So I feel like you're not really concentrating on, oh, this is a cool thing for the rest of my life. This is something I'm gonna remember. These are things that I'm gonna take with me. This is part of who I am and the house I grew up in and how I want to raise my kids. They're not thinking about that. They're no. thinking about, you know, socializing with their friends. Even right. back then, before social media was a thing, I mean, in our times, that still socializing with our friends was not in temple. Absolutely, no, totally agreed. Even if they went to the same temple, it was outside while our parents were inside and we were outside, you know, playing around, goofing around, having fun. I was so not cool enough to goof around. Like everyone else was, <laughs> definitely everyone else was in the hallway having fun. And I was like this strict, kid like sitting next to my dad and like my dad would go socialize because he's a normal person. <laughs> um, and I would just be like, like we're listening to the rabbi's sermon right now. Everyone needs to shut up. 
Okay, um, so Samantha. I know. There's like everyone else, and then this, this is me. This, this, I'm this so is sorry. this is so such an interesting conversation. I have to know what's your favorite thing about Judaism, or or about being Jewish. There's so many choices. I know. I know. I think this is like the perfect thing to like, ask. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I mean, I think first of all, there are the things that feel just very like big picture like I have to acknowledge the traditions the family the food um the community in general but I think my favorite thing about being Jewish spoiler alert it's kind of nerdy um I don't want to you know t- confuse anyone I, I don't think it's spoiler alert anymore you. <laughs> no. I think you like I've really, <laughs> really expressed myself already um I'm kidding I th- I'm not <laughs> I'm very aware it's fine I think my favorite thing about being Jewish um, is is our texts, um, is texts like the Talmud, where it's something that I wasn't exposed to growing up. I definitely did not have a Talmudic education. I had only the vaguest idea of what it was. And I went and studied Talmud um, in Jerusalem for a year at a non-denominational yeshiva called Pardes, and I was part of an educator's program there. And Talmud, this is like very long-winded, Talmud was the first thing that I have not been naturally good at that I learned to like. I feel like my entire journey growing up was like, oh, I am not naturally good at math. I have never been someone who's been like, therefore I will be you know, driven to overcome this challenge. It was, I'm not good at that, I don't like it. Was it a part um, of your curriculum and then you were forced to learn it? No, or was anything. it something that you chose I to feel, learn? No, but I, oh, the Talmud thing? Yeah. I don't think forced. I mean, like I opted into a year of like adult yeshiva, um, but it was something that I had not been exposed to and it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, like the, the structure, the way that it works, like understanding the hidden meanings in it. It's not something that I'm gifted with. There are people who are like amazing learners. And as someone who's so nerdy, I feel like I would be a skilled learner, but I'm not, it's fine. Um, but I, I feel like that's something that gets better over the years that you do it. Perhaps, but I think for me, what really came of it was this love of the process where I think so many spaces, especially in like the 21st century and like social media era, we condense everything. Like we have to, you know, get our thoughts out on Twitter in like 140 characters or less, or we get like recommendations of like, watch this YouTube video. And then you see it's like more than double digits amount of time. Like I'm not even watching this. We don't have an attention span for things. And then you see the Talmud where there is no cliff notes version. It's not, here's the list of rules, check plus, like learn them, you're done. It's the dialogue itself that the Jewish people like canonized. It's learning the process of this person said one thing and this person said another and they contradicted each other. And then a third guy comes in and tells a random story that has absolutely nothing to do with the first one, but somehow they're able to circle back and then they come to a conclusion. And the best parts are where there is no conclusion, where it's just this rabbi has one opinion, this rabbi has another one, and we accept that they have different opinions. And I think being exposed not just to a list of answers, but the process of finding them is something that like renewed my Jewish learning. It was a level that I had never been exposed to before. And now when I see a global community, an American community, a Jewish community, that people are so much about the answers. Does that person agree with me? No, great, cancel them. Like I don't want them in my circle. I think having this tradition of we are about the process, we're about the conversation, not just the end result. Accepting that you're not agreeing. Right, is like, I just, I love being part of that tradition. That's beautiful. Thank you. Do you have a favorite, Talmud or otherwise? A favorite thing about being Jewish? Definitely not Talmud, I'm sorry. It's fair, it's fair. That's your thing. (laughs) But clearly it's not. But please teach me, I love these things. I love that. Um, I love to learn new things that I haven't, you know, especially when it has to do with Judaism, (laughs) things that I haven't dived into yet. Um, I feel like you mentioned this uh, both in what we talked about earlier with the cheering Mm -hmm. and and you did mention this um, also when you started talking about Talmud, but my favorite, I think, in Judaism has to be the community feeling. Um, Moving, so in Israel, 
as you also said before, that in Israel, everyone, most mostly everyone is Jewish, because it's not right to right. say that everyone is Jewish, but a lot of everything, it is a Jewish country. Yeah. So by its definition, so, so a lot of the things in Israel are Jewish. So Friday, everything shuts down early and there's like this different vibe. Yeah. Friday from around three o'clock in the afternoon, everything just becomes quiet. Everyone is at home. Mostly everyone has Shabbat dinners with their family. Um, Saturday, everything's shut down. Again, there are businesses that are open, but the majority of things are closed. Yeah. So you have this Saturday vibe mm -hmm. where it's quiet. The Shabbat feeling. Yeah, the Shabbat feeling, which I do miss here. Yeah. Um, but also it's the, same, it's the same feeling on holidays. And like you said, you don't really need to make an effort to be Jewish. Yeah. And so your community is just everyone. And actually, but, I mean, okay, so wait, I'll first finish my first thought and then go to the second thought. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Um, but I am, I mean, I do love the community feeling of, of when I moved here and having this community um, that I could join. Mm -hmm. So moving to a, a different country, the first thing I did was connect to the Jewish community. Because I knew this is where I can find people that understand where I'm from, that I'm not foreign. Right. You know, and that I can connect to and I can go to things where other people are like me. So I feel like I connected to the community. Mm -hmm. um, I do think we, in Israel we do have some things that have to do with Judaism and community mm -hmm. that you may not feel in the everyday life because yeah. everything is Jewish. But um, for instance, I mean, this is sad bringing it up, but if someone dies yeah. and you have the Shiva, it's a full week yeah. that you feel the strength of community. Absolutely. So it's your friends, your family, who, and, and everyone, everyone around you, everyone that surrounds you comes together to help you. Right. They cook food. They're there for all the prayers. They, they help you out with everything you need for that full week. So I feel like being Jewish is being a part of the community for good or for, or for bad. It's, yeah. They're always there. It's the community that you have around you and I feel like that's our strength as Jews. No matter, <laughs> no matter if you're um, Orthodox, um, Reform. I mean, none of the above. None of the above. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how you do, right. you're still part of a community and I love it. I love that. I, I said recently, I was like, I don't know if I would know how to make friends and move to all these different cities without like, I call them like my Jewish social skills. That like you said, when I showed up in Cleveland, what do you do? Like you reach out to the Jews and I got set up on coffee dates with like friends of friends. And then like that led to more. And I oh, like, I'll invite people to Shabbat dinner. Or like I last year, I had just moved here a couple months before. I was like, great, it's Sukkot. I could just like invite all these people to my house. Cause I have like the, I don't know, like social lubricant. I have an excuse to do it. Like come sit in my sukkah. And I'm like, wow. I don't know how to make friends otherwise. I don't know what that says about, again, how much in the bubble I tend to be, but such is life. Do you have anything that challenges you about Judaism? Oh my God, I have that list too. Um, you do? I, I'm trying to think of anything that's, I mean, I'm asking you the hard question because I don't know if I know what challenges me. I feel challenged by this like binary where people think there's a good Jew or a right way to be Jewish. And if they're not living up to it, like when they'll say, oh, I'm a bad Jew. Ooh. Like on the one hand, I'm like, that I hurts. I say that a lot. But like that hurts my soul. I understand. But I'm like, you're not a bad Jew. You're Jewing in the way that works for you. And like, it's beautiful. And I feel like in Israel, like there's very much this sense of the synagogue that I don't go to is Orthodox. So like people don't go, but like they have a vision of there's a right way of being Jewish and like, I'm not doing that. Therefore I'm bad. And I feel like there's so many different ways to Jew and to be Jewish. So it really challenges me when we have this mindset of like, there's a correct way and everyone else is kind of working like around it and opting out of it or opting into it. But there's like one vision of it. And I think that's changing. I think more and more people are saying like me as a non-Orthodox Jew, it's not that I'm 
bad. It's that my Judaism doesn't take on this form of halachic, like religious law-based observance. It's cultural, it's family, it's food, it's an excessive amount of reading on my part. Um, so I'm challenged by this whole idea of a good Jew and a bad Jew, but then I'll have other times where like I'm very self-contradictory and someone will tell me um, like, you know, that like whatever it is that they're doing Jewishly and I'll be like shocked in a way that I don't want to be um, because I have a vision of who they are, or who I think they're supposed to be Jewishly. So I'm challenged by, I feel like my own biases that have been internalized from this, like, what does it mean to be good or bad? Um, and wanting to really just name that and like tear it apart almost to like blow open what it means to be a good Jew or a bad Jew, just to say, we're all Jewing it. And like, that's awesome. Like, that's why we titled this podcast. I feel like, how do you Jew? Not like, did you Jew correctly? Which would be a much less catchy title. I like that. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I like that. But also like what, I mean, what is correctly, you know? Right, like, exactly. Who are we to decide that there's a certain correct way to Jew? Exactly. Like I very much have a sense of what's right for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very confident in what it is and what it isn't. And like, I've, you know, come to terms with the contradictions within it that like, I grew up, our house was very strictly kosher. Um, my parents, we have two sets of dishes. We have two sets of Passover dishes. My parents change every single dish in the house. Like my mom has a Passover specific blender that she uses one week out of the year. Side note, my mom does not use a blender, but like somehow has two of them as a just in case measure. My house, the same thing. Like I'm very, you know, we have our vegetarian household because now I'm as vegetarian. I have a lot of feels about that, but it's super important to me that anyone who I invite over feel comfortable coming into it. So I'm very strict with it. But like when I go out for dinner, um, I still think like anything pork is like beyond the pale for me that like I, I can't do it, but like I will shrimp it up. Um, and I'm like, I don't think that makes me a bad Jew. Like, I don't think that that, you know, is a commentary on my Judaism. I think that it's been important for me that my home is a place where Jews of any level of observance can feel comfortable coming. Um, and I know that there are those who won't feel comfortable coming, but I feel like I do all that I can to make my home a welcoming environment for my Jewish community. And then I'm comfortable with the choices that I make outside of it as well. So I don't think that makes me bad, but I don't know that it makes me particularly great at the uh, kosher part of Jewing. I grew up in the same same type of ha household. I mean, so before my parents got divorced, the house was obviously kosher. And yeah. then my parents got divorced, my mom, um, she didn't really care that much. But then when I became, when I started keeping the Sabbath, mm -hmm. she went with it. She completely yeah. supported me. So she completely um, separated all the dishes and everything in the house. And she actually keeps that type of household till this day for the same reason that you did, because that way you can always have people feel comfortable in your house, no matter how they do. And I love that. And I wish, I mean, I, I, I wish my house was the same. I did keep a kosher house. Um, for the longest time until my apartment got too small to keep two sets of dishes. That's why I've been forced into vegetarianism. <laughs> well, aren't you lucky? I know. It's, it's <laughs> such a thrill. If anyone wants to invite me over for steak at literally any time, like, see you there. Um, Done. <laughs> thank you. Right, that was not a broadly dropped hint or anything. Like, please feed me red meat. I struggle. I struggle with being... I struggle with the thought I'm a bad Jew a lot of times just because I went through this whole journey of like different ways of of Jewing, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And also, I mean, I never thought ever, ever in my life that I would date someone that's not Jewish. Mm -hmm. I would uh, always, I was always looking for a partner that is Jewish like me, that I can have a Jewish household because I keep all the holidays and I do all of that. And then I ended up, you know, finding the perfect man and he's not Jewish. And that's something I struggled with at the beginning of like how to tell my friends and how to tell my family in Israel that I'm dating someone that's not Jewish. And, um, but again, it's all about finding, it's not about, I don't think there is a, a, a way to be a bad Jew. Right. 
as, it's as long as it suits your journey and your life. And Dan is like very accepting of Dan's the best. <laughs> like he really is. Like we could just say that. Like Dan's awesome. <laughs> But Dan is very accepting about my Judaism, yeah. and you've seen him in holidays, uh, Jewish holidays that we've done together. You've seen him, and he's he gets into it even Absolutely. more. I think me. at one point Noah made him read aloud during like the Rosh Hashanah Seder that we did, and he was there for it. Yeah, he goes with it. He's he's fine with it. He's he's cool about learning new stuff, and I love the fact that his mom constantly ask me every time we're there she asks me another question about me being Israeli about me That's being so Jewish sweet. she's just so interested and I love I love that I can do that and you know what if I struggled thinking of how do I explain this to my friends I think that I'm actually doing now more than ever because I get to teach people that I've never talked about these things that I've never been like close to you know, Jews are at least close enough to ask these right. questions and they feel comfortable enough to ask me all these questions and I get to answer and right. teach them and I just think it's, you know, I'm just doing I'm I'm being the best Jew ever because I can I can answer all these questions right. and teach it. Well I think it's also so exciting because then like when you're in those situations, things that you take for granted, like when somebody else asks you, you have to also then reconcile it for yourself of like, oh right, that is weird if you don't like <laughs> think about it and what does it mean? I So I regularly, people will ask me certain things and I just assume that anything that I've like taken on from my family, I'm just convinced is a Jewish thing, whether or not there's any basis to this thought. So this came up, I don't know if I've told you this story. Um, in my family, when you get a new car, you, as part of like the getting of a new car process, you throw change in the back seat um, as like a, a blessing, a bracha to like make it a good luck car. And I said this to somebody, a friend of mine, um, of, that she had gotten a new car. And I was like, oh my God, do you have change? Like, you know, I, I wanna throw some in your back seat. And she gave me what I can only describe as the most confused look <laughs> of all time of like, what are you talking about? So I explained this whole thing of like, obviously it's a mitzvah that like when you get a new car, you have to throw change in the back seat for good luck. And she was like, where do you think that's a mitzvah from? I was like, well, that's a very, like my, my family does that. Like it's a Jewish custom to do that. And she just turned to me with like very, at that point it was like comforting expression. She was like, do you think that comes from like ancient Roman times where they would throw change in the back of the chariot? Like what Jewish tradition I've heard comes? Of, I've heard of rice. Oh, I've never but heard not of that. in the car, outside of the car. Oh, like no, no, when no. you drive away in, with it, they throw like if you're ever in any car of someone in my family, there's probably like a couple dollars in change just like wedged under the seats because like we just throw it in the back. And I had absolutely no idea that this wasn't a Jewish thing until somebody called me on it and was like, when do you think there became a Jewish custom of throwing change in the back of your car? I've never heard of it, but also Jews, at least at least the ones I know, there are a lot of beliefs that are not really Jewish. It's yeah. just like my mom did it, so and she's Jewish, so therefore it's, it's just a, like beliefs a that thing. go in the family, you know. My fa I've I heard of I've, I've had a cup with candy put in my new car. Well, that's exciting. Nobody's ever now. given me candy. I don't know. I don't know the re I don't even know the reason behind it, but that just sounds nice. My ex's mom decided to well, I got a new car, she put a she put a cup of candy in my car. That sounds lovely. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't say no to candy. Yeah, no, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> I feel like one of the things like the themes that'll come up on this podcast is like me realizing stuff that's unique to my family because we talk about this all the time as a group like we want to have a t-shirt made of things that none of us realized were weird until somebody else had to like take us aside and be like that's a vinacore thing like that's not a real well you know what i wonder if any one of our listeners also had change thrown in the back of their oh seat. please if you did like dm us on instagram please or... let samantha know she's not weird right. well you don't have to <laughs> let me know i'm not weird just specific to this one thing i'm not alone <laughs> like other than my two siblings somebody else has had this life experience yeah you need to feel like you're a part of a community you see it all the comes community full of circle. change all comes full circle or change people those are my people Jewish car change people <laughs> like that's that's my very so if there's like a Venn diagram of like Jews and then the other side is like 
people who throw change in their cars. It's literally the five of us, like, are the center. I keep change in my car. No, 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 no. This isn't change that you use because that once happened that I was like, wow. Oh, you can't use it? No, no, no. It's good luck but change. Wait, what if you go get your car cleaned and you know how, like, sometimes they'll find stuff in your car so they'll put it in the front seat? Yeah, then you just throw it backwards. Really? You do? You re-throw <laughs> it. Throw it? Yeah. Does it, does it re-bring re the, the luck back? It just brings the luck back. And, like, sometimes when you have the dilemma, not that this has ever happened to me, of, like, wow, some point maybe someone threw a quarter in here and I need to like pay a parking meter but you, know. you said you can't use it no you don't use it but like I definitely had a moment of pre-covid when I you know went places um that was like I am fully aware there's like two dollars and change in this car and somehow I have to like now download an app to pay 30 cents to park in Cleveland because I can't use my good luck change <laughs> Um, that's a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this. So I'm loving this convo, but I also want to hear, are there like certain things that you're looking forward to talking about on this podcast or that, um, we can tell our listeners to look forward to? Yes, definitely. Cool. Look forward to all of it. <laughs> you're welcome. So part of my challenge as being, um, Jewish, but dating, not Jewish. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm really open to talking about it. Um, first of all, because I'm very open about about everything that goes on in our awesome relationship um, between Jews and non-Jews. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm open to a conversation about that. And not only just being Jewish and not Jewish, but also if you're from, if you're Jewish from a different country. Mm -hmm. I feel like being Israeli and uh, a, Jew, a Jewish Israeli and then being a, an American Jew, I think that's an interesting conversation totally. to have. But also just like we mentioned, Sorry, Jews can, um, Jews do in so many different ways. This is true. I feel like that's a conversation that I would love to have here. Just hearing about all the different, there's a, such a, it's a huge variety. It's a wide band of yeah. different, you know, Jews this and how they do. This is true. What, what's your, what, um, <laughs> what's your thought about this? I get, I think similar. I get really excited. I think because I spend so much time in my bubble like when people Jew in just different ways that I haven't heard of or they're beyond like the establishment or the like boxes that I exist in, I just get really excited when people are doing Jewish innovation. But also I feel like we haven't talked about this enough. Um, Yael is a pastry chef. <laughs> um, and like one of my like best friend making things that I think I've ever done is to befriend my own Israeli pastry chef. <laughs> um, so I'm also really excited to talk about food because I think that food that. is something that's so integral, like every so Jewish. Jewish thing. <laughs> like, again, you were saying even like about Shiva, like how do we mourn? We feed people. How do we celebrate? We, we feed, feed people. people. <laughs> like even, you know, every holiday, there's a specific food. There are like laws about food. Yeah. And I'm just really excited to hopefully there'll be like live segments where you will bake for me. But in general, I'm excited to talk about the food stuff. I will bake for you anytime. I promise. Yeah. Well, just part of being friends. That's what friends do. They bake for each other. That's why everyone should get a uh, pastry chef friend. Uh, well, I'll only bake for you if you cook dinners for me. I do do that. You so do, do that, that. That is good. You, right. you've, you've done good so far. It's very reciprocal. It's not just me being like, you are my resident pastry chef. No, you invite me to dinner, I I, I'll make the challah. <laughs> that is good. And dessert. And dessert, yes. No, well, that's why. So I, Noam and I had to have the conversation where I was making our like menu for Shabbat dinner this week. And I was like, oh, do you want a bake challah? Do you want me to? Whatever. And he was like, you didn't invite you. Yeah, like we have to do it ourselves. I was like, I know. I like. I mean, you're always invited, but like now I know I'm invited to so many Shabbat dinners. Just because we're really lazy people. No one wants to bake the challah. No, so you're I just think everyone out. wants to bake. Just you have a better braiding technique than we do. Like ours are a little like I don't. Know. We're not fully professional yet, but another few weeks of quarantine and like our baking oh, yeah. skills. You know, we'll be at like the level of the sourdough people from Oh this wow. Year. Those people are you know, those people are hardcore. That's, that's I I hardcore. I've been knitting through my quarantine. I have not been baking. You've been knitting some crazy stuff. Thank you. you I, you're you're good. I'm working on it. I'm still slow. I mean, um, I knew you were knitting. Yeah, but the, is it really about the pace or is it about it the is, actual No, it's work? it's a little about the pace because I it have is. like the need for gratification. So I'm like I'll like be doing a project and like I'll have read online like when I see the pattern like 
this is a one hour project and like three days later, I'm like, well, I want to start something else. I'm bored of this hat. But you're also doing other things. It's a yeah. one hour if you actually sit and do it for one full yeah. hour. Too much multitasking. You, I mean. People step on me regularly. And by people, I mean dogs. <laughs> you full time work from home. That's true. That's with true. Two, where you have two dogs and a husband that also works from home. So your one hour can be turned it's into three, three days. days. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> well, thank you for this session of therapy for me. I feel My very pleasure. validated. Anytime. Um, and thank you guys all for listening to this amazing first episode of How Do You Jew? We hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Don't forget to subscribe to How Do You Jew and Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. We also want to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram again at How Do You Jew Pod. Check out our website at HowDoYouJewPod.com or email us thoughts, episode ideas, and all things Jewy at HowDoYouJewPod at gmail.com. All of those are spelled H O W D O Y O U J E W P O D. Yep, and until next time, happy doing! Yeah.